Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Mom. Why? Stop what, darling? You're literally like I'm ready for the podcast. Are you ready, baby? Are you trying to do ASMR? No. Whispering's not ASMR. Like Are you ready for the podcast? That's ASMR. I know. Whispering. Yeah. Okay. Alright, well now that we've weirded a bunch of people out and we've lost everybody, let's just Let's just read. And we don't have anybody else. I know everybody's like, this is getting... They're like, okay, nope, I'm not reading. It's getting weirder and weirder by the episode. Nope, we're not going to make it... People aren't going to make it to episode 800. They're going to be like, no, I, okay, I'm out of here. No, they're not okay. even going to one. <laughs> well, if they've made it this far, they've made it to like episode 780 or something like that. We've almost... Dude, we're close to to um, a thousand episodes. That's cool. Okay. Anyways, a series of unfortunate events. Lemony Snicket. Book the tents. The slippery slope. I've done a lot. I don't know. I'm, I've done a lot of different voices. So it's not like me. Okay. Where does the next chapter end? Oh, God. It's a doozy. Oh, my. Oh, my. Why is it so long? You're fine. Okay. That's two. No, no, no. It was like really long. You're well, I kept, I'm putting the I'm putting the bookmark where I stop because I have a short attention span, and knowing when it's time to break for the next episode gives me like hope that there's an ending. <laughs> okay, and honestly, I love reading. Do you know how many hours a day I read? No. Four. Three. A minimum of four. I read two hours with you, an hour in the morning, an hour at night. We don't always read for a full hour, but usually it's an hour. And then I read myself an hour in the morning and an hour before bedtime. And I usually read on my lunch break, too. Yeah, I'm sorry. I need to get a life. Huh? Four hours and 30 minutes. That's pathetic. I, have, I get up at 5 o'clock in the morning so I can get all of my reading in. Because it makes me not stressed out. Okay, ready? Chapter 8. It is one of the peculiar peculiar truths of life that people often say things that they know will full they know full well are ridiculous if someone asks you if okay oh, yeah i can't even get through the second sentence without yawning it's like a thing it's like yesterday i know oh my gosh okay i should have brought a coffee okay Focus, no, focus, focus. No, you'll leave it in here just like you left. I always leave my coffee cups in here. Okay. If someone asks you how you are, for example, you might automatically say, fine, thank you. When in fact, you've just failed an exam or been trampled by an ox. Mm-hmm. A friend might tell you they've sure. looked everywhere in the world for my keys when they know that they have actually looked only in a few places in the immediate area. Once I've said to a woman I love very much, I'm sure that you, I'm sure this 
trouble will end soon and you and I will spend the rest of our lives together in happiness and bliss when in actuality I suspected that things were much worse and so it is with the two Baudelaire's when they stood face to face with the Quigley quagmire and found themselves to be saying things that they knew were absurd. You're dead, Violet said, and took off her mask to make sure that she wasn't see- that she was seeing things clearly. But there was no ma- mistaking Quigley, even though the the Baudelaire's had never seen him before. He looked so much like Duncan and Isadora that he could only be the third quagmire triplet. You perished in a fire along with your parents, Klaus said, but as he took off his mask, he knew that that wasn't so. Quigley was even giving the two Baudelaire's a small smile that looked exactly like his siblings. Nope, Quigley said. I survived, and I've been looking for my siblings ever since. But how did you survive, Violet said. Duncan and Isadora said that the house burned to the ground. It did, Quigley said, sadly. Okay, you could do this. He looked out the frozen waterfall and sighed deeply. I suppose I should start at the beginning. Motivation. I was in my family's library studying for the studying a map of the finite, finite forest when I heard a shattering glass and people shouting. My mother ran into, into the room and said, there's a fire. We tried to get out the front door, but the main hall was filled with smoke. So she took me back to the library and lifted a corner of the rug. There was a secret door underneath, and she told me to wait down below while she fetched my siblings, and she left me in the dark. I remember hearing the house fall to pieces above me, and the sound of frantic footsteps, and my siblings screaming. Quigley put the mask down over, mask down on the ground and looked back at the Baudelaire's, but she never came back. Nobody came back, and when I tried to open the door, something had fallen on top of it, and it wouldn't budge. How did you get out? Klaus said. I walked, Quigley said, when it became clear that nobody was coming to rescue me. I felt around in the dark and realized that I was in some sort of a passageway. I wonder if that goes to their house, too. Um, There was nowhere else to go, and I just started walking. I've never been so frightened in my life. Walking alone in some dark passageway my parents had kept secret, I couldn't imagine where it would lead. The two Baudelaire's looked at one another. They were thinking about... The secret passageway that they had discovered underneath their home, and when they discovered what they discovered when they were under the care of Esme Squalor and her husband. And where did it lead? Violet said. To the house of a herpetologist, Quigley said. At the end of the passageway, the secret door opened to an enormous room made of entirely glass. The room was filled with empty cages, but it was clear that the room had once housed enormous an enormous collection of reptiles. We've been there, Klaus said, cried in, as he cried in amazement. That's Uncle Monty's house. He was her guardian until Count Olaf arrived and disguised as his lab assistant quickly finished. I know, his suitcase was still there. There was a secret passageway under his house too, Violet said, but we didn't discover it until we lived with Esme Squalor. Under our house too, but we didn't discover it until we lived with Esme Squalor. <sighs> There are secrets everywhere, Quigley said. I think everyone's parents have secrets, and you just have to know where to look for them. But why would our parents and yours have tunnels underneath the homes leading to fancy apartment buildings and herpetologists' home, Klaus said. It just doesn't make any sense. 
Quigley sighed and put his backpack on the ashen ground next to his mask. There's a lot of things that don't make sense, he said. I was hoping to find answers here, but I don't even know if I'm going to find them. He took out his purple notebook and opened to the first page. All I can tell you is what I have here in this common book place. A commonplace book. Klaus gave Quigley a small smile and reached into his pocket to retrieve all of the papers that he had stored there. You'll tell us what you know, he said, and we'll tell you what we know. Perhaps together we can answer our own questions. Quigley nodded in agreement, and the three children sat in a circle on what was the kitchen floor. Quigley opened up the backpack and took out a bag of salted almonds, which they passed around. You must be hungry from the climb. Up the vertical flame diversion, he said. I know I am. Let's see. Where was I? In the reptile room, Violet said, at the end of the passageway. Well, nothing happened for a while, Quigley said. On the doorstep of the house was a copy of the Daily Punctilio, which had an article about the fire. That's how I learned that my parents were dead. I spent days and days all by myself there, and I was so sad. I was so scared, and I didn't know what else to do. I suppose it was... I suppose I was waiting... Wait... I wait. I'm waiting for the herpetologist to show up for the work for work and see if he was a friend of my parents and that they might be of some assistance. The kitchen was filled with food, so I had enough to eat. And every night I slept at the bottom of the stairs so I could hear if anyone came in. The Baudelaire's nodded sympathetically, and Violet put a comforting hand on Quigley's shoulder. We were the same way, Violet said. Right when we heard the bad news about our parents, I scarcely remember what we did and what we said. But I didn't. But. Didn't anyone come looking for you, Klaus asked. The Daily Punctilio said that I died in a fire too, Quigley said. The article said that my sister and brother were sent off to prove frock preparatory school and that my parents' estate was under the care of the city's sixth most important financial advisor. (gasps) No way. Esme Squalor, Violet said. Violet and Klaus said simultaneously, a word here which means in a disgusted voice and at the exact same time right said quigley but i wasn't interested in that part of the story i was determined to go to school and find my siblings again i found an atlas in dr montgomery's library study and and until i found proof rock preparatory school it wasn't too far so i so i started to gather whatever supplies that I could find around his house. Don't you think the calling of calling the authorities, Klaus said? Well, I guess I wasn't thinking very clearly, Quigley admitted. All I could think of was finding my siblings. Of course, Violet said. So what happened then? Well, I was interrupted, Quigley said. Someone was just had just walked in as I was putting the atlas in the tote bag that I found. It was Jacques Snicket, although I didn't know who he was, of course, but he knew who I was, and he was overjoyed, that I was alive after all. How do you know that you could trust him? He asked, Klaus asked. Well, he knew about the secret passageway, Quigley said. In fact, he knew quite a bit about my family, even though he hadn't seen my parents in years. And, Violet said, Quigley gave her a smile. And he was very well read, he said. In fact, he was at Dr. Montgomery's house. Oh, he was at Dr. Montgomery's house to do a bit of reading. He said there was an important file that was hidden someplace on the premise and that he had to stay for a few days so so to try and complete his investigation. So we didn't take you to the school, Violet asked. He said that it wasn't safe for me to be seen, Quigley said. He explained that it was part of my secret organi- I w- that he was part of a secret organization and that my parents had been a part of it too. 
VFD, Klaus said, and Quigley nodded in agreement. Duncan and Isadora tried to tell us about VFD, Violet said, but they never got the chance. We don't even know what it stands for. It seems to stand for many things, Quigley said, flipping through the pages of his notes. Nearly everything the organization uses, from the volunteer feline detectives to the vernacularly fastened door, they all have the same initials. But what's the organization, Violet asked. What is VFD? Jacques wouldn't tell me, Quigley said, but I think the letters stand for Volunteer Fire Department. <gasps> Peyton, is that right? Volunteer Fire Department? Mm-hmm. Cool. I think that's right. Um, Volunteer Fire Department, Department replied, repeated Violet and looked at her brother. What does that mean? Well, in some communities, Klaus said, there's no official fire department, so they rely on volunteers to extinguish fires. I know that, Violet said, but what does it have to do with our parents or Count Olaf or anything that's happening to us? I always thought that knowing what the letter stood for would solve some mystery, but now I'm as mystified as I ever was. Do you think that our parents were secretly fighting fires, Klaus asked? But why do they keep it a secret, Violet asked, and why would they have a secret passageway underneath the house? Jacques said that the passageways were built by members of the organization, Quigley said. In case of an emergency, they could escape to a safer place. But the tunnels were found, we found connected our house to the home of Esme Squalor, Klaus said, and that's not a safe place. Something happened, Quigley said, something that changed everything. He flipped through a few pages of his commonplace book until he found what he was looking for. Jacques Snicket called it a schism, he said, but I don't know what that word means. A schism, Klaus said, is a division of previously united groups of people into or more into two or more oppositional parties. It's like a big argument with everybody choosing sides. That makes sense, said Quigley. The way Jacques talks, it sounded like the entire organization was in chaos. Volunteers who who were once working together are now enemies places that were once safe and are now dangerous both sides are using the same codes and the same disguises even the vfd insignia used to represent the noble ideas everyone shared but now it's all gone up in smoke but how did the schism start violet asked what was everyone fighting over i don't know quigley said jacques didn't have much time to explain things to me well what was he doing klaus asked He was looking for you, Quigley replied. He showed me a picture of all three of you riding at the dock at the same, waiting at the dock at the same, on some lake, and he asked me if I'd seen you anywhere. He knew that you'd be in a, be placed in Count Olaf's care and all of the terrible things that had happened there. He knew that you guys had gone to live with Dr. Montgomery, and he even knew about some of the inventions you made. Violet, the research you did, and Klaus, Klaus, and some of the Sunny's tooth related exploits he wanted to find you before it was too late too late for what violet said i don't know quigley said with a sigh jacques spent a lot of time at montgomery's house but he was too busy conducting investigations to explain everything to me he would stay up all night reading and copying information into his notebook and then he just slept all day or disappeared for hours at a time then one day he had said he had to go to interview somebody in the town of paltryville but he never came back I waited three weeks for him to return. I read books in Dr. Montgomery's library and started a commonplace book of my own. At first, it was difficult 
to find any information on VFD, but I took notes on anything that I could find. I must have read hundreds of books, but Jacques never returned. Finally, one morning, two things happened that made me decide not to wait any longer. The first was an article of the Daily Punctilio saying that my siblings had been kidnapped from the school. I knew that I had something to do with it. I couldn't wait for Jacques Snicket or for anyone else. The Baudelaire's nodded in solemn agreement. What is the second thing? Violet asked. Quigley was, the sil- was silent for a moment, and he reached down to the ground and scooped up a handful of ashes, letting them all fall from his gloved hands. I smelled smoke, he said, and when I opened the door to the reptile room, I saw something that had thrown a torch into the glass of the glass of the ceiling starting a fire in the library within minutes the entire house was in flames oh violet said quietly oh is the word which usually means something along the lines of i heard you and i'm not particularly interested but this in this case but of course the eldest baudelaire meant something entirely different and it is something difficult to define she meant i am sad to hear that uncle monty's house burned down but that's not all by oh violet was trying to describe her sadness but all of the fires have brought quigley and klaus and herself here to the mort main mountains to huddle in a circle and try to solve the mystery that surrounded them when violet said oh she was not thinking of the fire in the reptile room but the fires that had destroyed the baudelaire home and the quagmire home and the heimlich hospital and the caligari carnival in the VFD headquarters where the smell of smoke still lingered around where the children were sitting. Thinking of those fires made Violet feel as if the eerie, as if the entire world were going up in flames and that she and her siblings and all of the other decent, decent people in the world might never find a place that was truly safe. Another fire, Klaus murmured, and Violet was thinking the same thing. Where, where could you go, Quigley? The only place that I could think of was Paltryville, Quigley said. The last time I saw Jacques, he said he was going there, and I thought that if I would went there, I might meet him again and see if he could help me rescue Duncan and Isadora. Dr. Montgomery's atlas showed me how to get there, but I had to go on foot because I was afraid anyone might offer me a ride, that they would be an enemy. It was a long time before I arrived, but as soon as I stepped into town, I saw a large building that matched a tattoo of Jacques Sickett's ankle. I thought it might be a safe place to go. Dr. Orwell's office, Klaus cried. That's not a safe place to go. Klaus was hypnotized there, Violet explained, and Count Olaf was disguised as... As a receptionist quickly finished. I know, his fake nameplate was still on the desk of the office when it was deserted, but I could tell that Jacques had been there because there were, same, there were some notes in his handwriting that he left on the desk. With those notes, the information I read in Dr. Montgomery's library, I learned about the VFD headquarters. So, instead of waiting for Jacques again, I set out to find the organization. I thought that they were my best hope at rescuing my siblings. So, you set off to Main Mountain by yourself, Violet asked? Well, not quite by myself, Quigley said. I had this backpack that Jacques left behind with the verdant flammable devices and a few other items that I had in my commonplace book. And eventually, I ran to this. I ran into the snow scouts and realized that hiding among them would be probably the quickest way to reach Mount Frat. He turned the page in his commonplace book and explained his notes. Remarkable phenomena of Mort Main Mountain, which I read in Doctor Montgomery's library, had a hidden chapter that told me about the vertical flame diversion and the vernacular fastened door. Klaus looked over at Quigley's shoulder and read the notes. 
I should have read the book when I had the chance, he said, shaking his head. If we had all known about VFD when we were living in Uncle, with Uncle Monty, we may have avoided all the trouble that followed. Well, when we were living with Uncle Monty, Violet reminded him, we were too busy trying to escape from Olaf's clutches and trying to, trying to do any additional research. I've had plenty of time to do research, Quigley said, but I still haven't found all the answers I'm looking for. I still haven't found Duncan and Isidore, and I still don't know where Jacques Snicket is. He's dead, Klaus said very quietly. Count Olaf murdered him. I thought you might say that, Quigley said. I knew there was something wrong when he didn't return. But what about my siblings? Do you know what happened to them? They're safe, Quigley, Violet said. We think that they're safe. We rescued them from Olaf's clutches and they escaped with a man named Hector. Escaped, Quigley repeated. Where did they go? We don't know, Klaus admitted. Hector built a self-sustaining hot air mobile home. It was like a flying house and it kept in the air by a bunch of balloons and Hector said that it could be up in the sky forever. We tried to climb aboard, Violet said, but Count Olaf managed to stop us. So now you don't know where they are, Quigley asked. I'm afraid not, said Violet, and patted his hand. But Duncan and Isadora are intrepid people, Quigley, and they'll survive for quite some time. In Olaf's clutches, taking notes on his schemes and trying to pass the information to us. Violet's right, Klaus said, and I'm sure that wherever they are, they're counting continuing the research eventually they'll find out that you're alive and they'll come looking for you just like you went down looking for them the two Baudelaire's looked at one one another and they shivered they had been talking about the Quigley family of course but they felt as if they were talking about their own as if I'm sure if your parents are alive they're looking for you too said Quigley as if he'd read their minds and Sunny too do you know where she is some place nearby, Violet said. She's with Count Olaf, and Olaf wants to find the headquarters, too. Maybe Olaf has already been here, Quigley said, looking around at the wreckage. Maybe he's the one who burned the place down. I don't think so, Klaus said. He would have had to had time to burn he wouldn't have had time to burn the whole place down. We were right on his trail. Plus, I don't think that this place burned down all at once. Why not, Quigley said. It's too big, Klaus said. If the whole headquarters were burning, the sky would be covered in smoke. That's true, Violet said. That much smoke would arouse too much suspicion. Where's where's the smoke? Quigley, uh, where there's smoke, Quigley said. There's fire. But Klaus turned to her friends, turned to their friend who, to agree, but Quigley was not looking at the two Baudelaire's, and he was looking at looking past them towards the frozen pool until the frozen tributaries were the where the enormous window of VFD kitchen had once stood and where I once chopped broccoli with the woman I loved mixed up in a spicy peanut sauce in a spicy peanut sauce to go with it and he was pointing up towards the sky where my associates and I used to watch the volunteer eagles who could spot smoke from a very great distance that afternoon, there were no eagles in the sky over Mortmain Mountain, but as Violet and Klaus stood up and looked in the direction of Quigley, he was pointing where something in the sky had caught their attention, because when Quigley Quagmire said, where there's smoke, there's fire, he was not referring to Klaus's theory about the destruction of VFD headquarters. He was talking about the sight of green smoke wafting in the sky from the peak of Mount Frott at the top of the slippery slope. Well, I think we're just doing one episode tonight because Peyton is asleep.